The year is 1993. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we're going through the best of Marvel comics from its origins to today. I am Zach, your comic book journeyman, and I am joined today by Charlotte, the only Hi. comic book podcast co-host, my only co-host, that I would drive <laughs> blinded through a snowstorm to save from being gutted by my other co-host, it's Dave. Hey Dave. Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, I, I gotta say, I do not drive well in the snow. I do not handle it well. Um, yeah, I, no, somehow I I'm felt those bumps in the, in the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. You, you just feel the bumps. Is that how you do it? You just kind of yeah. feel the road and, and use that. To, see, that's my problem. I'm always I'm always looking where I'm going, and uh, and I ah. spin out constantly. I spin yeah. out constantly. Um, honestly, even the slightest bit of snow, and I'm doing a three. I think you're missing the point with it. You're the creep in the cabin, and I'm the cool guy driving. Uh, in the you know complete blindness. Oh, I just I just wanted to talk about my driving. I don't know why you have to pull these random insults into things. <laughs> that seems like a poor way uh, to start the conversation. So this is uh, this is 1993, and I gotta say, <laughs> I was very excited. Is he crying? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a Frank Miller villain, right? Like when, yeah, kind of. When cornered, just starts starts weeping. Oh, could you guys hear me? Sorry, I thought I was on mute. Okay, this, uh, go, ahead, go ahead. This is 1993, and I have to say. Two weeks ago, uh, I can't remember, whatever time I was on last when we recorded, I was like, oh, I gotta read comics today for the show. And then I was like, oh, wait, hell yeah. It's all Daredevil this week. And then it wasn't, but it was Jim <laughs> Starlin, so that was okay. Anyway. I mean, technically, I'm yes. exci- technically it's a Daredevil yeah. week. Yeah. That's true. I am uh, I was super excited knowing that we've got some all Daredevil. It's been a while since we've had some Daredevil. It's been a while since Frank Miller's been around, especially doing Daredevil. Um and uh, and then Jim Starlin doing a Daredevil Black Widow graphic novel. My expectations were very high, and I gotta say, a little bummed. So, uh, why don't you uh, do you want to jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. So today we read Daredevil: The Man Without Fear issues one to five. We read Daredevil Black Widow Avatar graphic. I, I have a, a question for you to, to kick this off. If uh... uh, sure, let's start there. What's the question? Okay, so Man Without Fear is Frank Miller returning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for five issue miniseries. That's born mm-hmm. again. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, John Rubita Jr. on pencils. And uh, it's it's a Daredevil origin story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. yeah. it's retelling. He doesn't get his costume till the last page of issue five. Mm-hmm. And so this is clearly a big origin. I have two questions. One is, do we need another Daredevil origin story? Do mm-hmm. we need Frank Miller to come do a Batman year one type story? Yeah. And does this add anything to Daredevil, right? Like, does this expand on daredevil the way that frank miller did for batman and batman year one does this recontextualize him perfect questions charlotte Ooh, you, you please tackle it first that's interesting i haven't i don't think i've actually read batman year one so i i wouldn't know really how to compare the two i know no I know. kidding wow yeah 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 um and um too busy with those asterisk comics yeah 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I wasn't that... Uh, I mean, I wasn't that excited because it's been a while since I've read uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil. Uh, and do, really, do you like those? But, but we haven't really talked about that. Are I you, are do you, like those. Are you as hot on those as we are? I don't think I'm as hot on them, but also just because I don't, I don't like Daredevil in general that much, so they... Mm. I don't think they work for me just as well, but I do think they're very, very good comics, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But yeah, this, I didn't, ha- I wasn't like craving for new um, new Frank Miller on Daredevil. Um, mm-hmm. And this, this felt, this was very boring to me <laughs> overall. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, yes, I think the best thing I can say about the, these comics was that um, if someone is uh, looking to get into Daredevil, Yes, these these are very fine comics to begin with. Uh, were they needed? Not particularly. Like they they kind of tie together Daredevil's origins with uh, with Elektra and with Kingpin, but it doesn't really add anything. I don't think. So so boring here's is the here's the problem the that kept popping. Okay, but please go on. Dave. What's the word that kept popping for you? Boring, like what Charlotte said. Classic like, I, I, Zach. <laughs> too boring. And I don't even mean that like I don't even mean that in a really pejorative way. But I kinda just kept reading this and I was like having an okay time, but I was just like it's well, kind of boring, right? I mean, so, like, I think let's expand sedate. on that. Let's expand on that. Because yeah. that's shorthand yeah, yeah. for I think what the problems are here. Yeah. Which is yeah. the problem with Daredevil the Man Without Fear, the miniseries, beloved <laughs> and super well regarded. Is it? Yeah, I, know. I don't know Rita its Jr. reputation. Yeah, yeah. I mean anything yeah. Miller does in the Daredevil Electric Continuum is incredibly highly well regarded. Um and and John Romita Jr., I think this is this is the transition for him from his Nascenti Daredevil style to that sort of blockier, chunkier style that I think has come to yeah. define his work. It's kind of that midway point where it's still, I think people who like his work really like this phase, um, but now it's it's become his stock and trade, and it's it can be a love or hate thing. But regardless, the problem with reading Daredevil the Man Without Fear in 1993, especially when you've been doing a year-by-year journey <laughs> through the Marvel <laughs> Universe in the Mind Lovers Universe, is it's a retelling of an origin story. And it's a retelling of an origin story not that far removed in our continuum from reading much better, innovative, new Frank Miller-written Daredevil comics in, mm-hmm. from his run and then in Born Again, right? What The Man Without Fear does is it retells Daredevil's origin in such a way as to be completely compatible with the Frank Miller vision, right? He retrofits the origin to fit everything that he built with Electra, with Stick, with the Kingpin, in that regard, it's well done. Like, it is a, like, I, I think I've read that this was, you know, originally a, a potential script for, like, a Daredevil movie. I mean, it feels like that, right? It yeah. feels like, okay, if we were gonna retell the Daredevil, write a Daredevil movie in 1993, which the, the world was not yet ready for, this is how you would do it. This is the template. And you can see stuff like, like obviously, the, the Daredevil movie that followed or even Netflix Daredevil with the costume and the black bandana over Matt's head as, he, as he's starting to become a vigilante, right? They pick up a lot from The Man Without Fear specifically as opposed to Daredevil number one. Now, to J- Zach's question, do we need this at this point in the Mime World This Year Club? I definitely don't. And I think that's why I'm consistently underwhelmed by this miniseries is it's not super additive. It's really just coalescing a lot of things that we already knew. I think it does it reasonably well. I also think Daredevil is a character who you can retell his origin 
and there's a there's a little more of a need for it than some of the other Marvel staples, right? You don't really need a, Mar- a Spider-Man year one, even though that's a thing that will happen, right? Like mm-hmm. you yeah. because that Amazing Fantasy is really good and it's tight and it's well known. Um, it, mm. Same with some of the Avengers, right? And, and the Fantastic Four. You don't need their origins retold a lot of times. I don't, at least. Daredevil's origin isn't that exciting, you know. Silver Age Daredevil is with the exception of like the debut of Stiltman is not always a classic <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's there's room to reinvent this and like Miller already did reinvent it you know Miller claimed Daredevil as his own in the late 70s and through the 1980s so I get why he can do this you know and I, I get the appeal for it I do potentially think that like if you read I I don't know what what did both of you think in terms of like if you read The Man Without Fear first you yeah. just you were just like, hey, I'm into Daredevil. What should I read? And somebody's like, read The Man Without Fear, then read Frank Miller's Daredevil uh-huh. run. Yeah. Is that a better yeah. approach? Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's yeah. what I was thinking just now is that like, if this was my first Daredevil comics, I would have absolutely loved it. But uh, reading it now yeah. after having read years of, uh, of Daredevil, it felt like I had already read this at least twice before, kind of. So yeah, I think I think this should be um, this is best enjoyed if this is one of your first uh, Daredevil comics and especially your first Frank Miller on Daredevil comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's weirdly yeah, it feels weirdly like resting on its laurels. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't really add much. It's not a very additive origin. Yeah, it, it's a very that's what I kind of mean by boring. Where I'm just like, oh, this is I I know all this right. Like I've seen all this before in more interesting ways. Yeah, and the one thing I noticed it uh, added, because I don't think that was uh, in previous works, is that uh, part of um, Matt's origin is that he killed a sex worker at some point. Well, he yeah. kills a lot of people here. That I mean, that yeah. is one of the big changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He, Does he? he because killing people. the sex worker accidentally, killing someone, quote-unquote, innocent, who among us, truly, yeah. right? But he kills someone accidentally, and that's a big part of the second issue for Frank Miller's vision to say... You know, this sends him down a path of of remorse and guilt, um, and then also sort of connection potentially with Electra. Because you know, so the I think the one thing that Miller and Ramita build here that is a little more fleshed out than we've seen in the past is the Daredevil and Electra college romance. You know, and sort of mm-hmm. Electra's position in the world. Like that's that's obviously the or not obviously, but like to me that seems like the biggest thing that Miller's like. You know, I created or co-created Electra. Well after Daredevil had been an established character in the Marvel Universe. So here he's retrofitting to say Elektra has always been a part of Daredevil's origin, um, including some very unintentionally funny moments when like they're they're sitting in their underwear by a fire and Daredevil's like, I love you, Elektra. And Elektra's like, I've killed seven men, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> or like, yeah. I killed seven men last it's night. A good, it's a good moment. I, yeah, I, yeah. I like all the stuff between the two of them. And then she just vanishes from the story like in two panels mm-hmm. she's just like ah i gotta go to greece mm-hmm. there, there's something something going on with my family and then she leaves and then she's out of the story it's so strange and it's the worst storytelling and it is the most like comic just like well i was just introducing electra like she's not part of this story it's just about like introducing yeah. new characters and elements right it, that really frustrated me because i was really into electra electra yeah. story and, i mean it like, really feels like it's in. It really feels like it's supposed to be a, a recap slash introduction to Daredevil comics. Like, it doesn't yeah. feel like it's supposed to stand on its own and be read as a whole story. Yeah. A- and what he's already done, I think, works better yeah. as all that. Just going to start to read, like, the Daredevil comics, I think, works works much better because I, I think he's working 
you know, in, in a more interesting mode earlier on. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think like what Dave said, I think this is a really well put together comic. I think I really like John Romita Jr.'s art here. Like he occasionally gets the big splash page that like made me like real hyped. Like the, the splash page and the double splash pages that he does occasionally are yeah. very good. It's really interesting seeing, just talking about John Romita Jr., that we can see like two artists or two different writers on Daredevil both working with John Romita Jr., and seeing how much that writing process yeah. really can like change the art and the panel layout. Because this is so different from Anne Nascenti's Daredevil, where John Romita Jr. was drawing that as yeah. well. Yeah. Like it this feels like a Frank Miller comic, the way it's laid out. It's just very like solidly laid out. It feels like storyboarded almost for a movie, right? Yeah. As opposed to Nascenti's, which is like a lot more wild, it's a little like psychedelic, it, it's like a lot looser. Like I think John Romita Jr. was given a lot more like free reign to do these big you see very little of the Nascenti Daredevil visually in this, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, that's a good call out for sure. I mean, yeah, Nascenti's is like supernatural and explosive and, and we have all these demons and then Frank Miller's is just the demons are the, are the men on New York City streets. Which which is cool. Like, I, I like seeing that, you know, that, that works pretty well. The violence here is very, like, brutal and forceful and full of weight, mm-hmm. right? I think that, like, and that's something that, well, I guess that was in Nascenti's, right? Like, with uh, that issue where... Um, What's her name? Mary. Um, oh, my God. Typhoid, typhoid Mary. Mary. Typhoid Mary. I kept thinking. You can call her Mary. You're close. It's fine. Yeah. Typhoid Mary <laughs> and her goons, you know, beat up and mostly kill Daredevil, right? That that felt that. But, um, yeah, you, you can just tell, like, th- this feels like a Frank Miller comic. Right? Yes. And visually. So I want to yeah. talk about that a little bit and go back to something Charlotte said earlier that I kind of took us away from, um, which is, you know, Daredevil killing a sex worker, right? And th- so this is a trope mm-hmm. in Frank Miller comics. Um, that, you know, this, this use of sex workers essentially as props, essentially as things to get beat upon, you know? Um, and, and so this is something that, that definitely is a negative trope. I think we can all pretty firmly agree. Um, it's utilized here. It's not a huge part of the story, but then again, it kind of is because like, it's a really big part of Daredevil's formative, you know, growth or Matt Murdock's formative growth into a hero. Um, there's, I actually went back and read, um, or not went back, I read for the first time Sin City, the second and third volumes after this, because mm-hmm. th- those come sure. out around the same time. And yeah. so Frank Miller's Sin City is kind of his 90s neo-noir. Uh, visually, it's really fascinating, but it's got, it, it's that sort of trope, but then amplified up to 11, you know, where Oh, the entire first arc about that is, you know, like solving the death of a prostitute. Th- those are most of the, the, honestly, they're most of the characters. Yeah. So it's like, on, on one hand, it's like, these are people who are given voice and I don't know if they're given up the agency or whatever, but anyway, I'm not doing no, a Sin City to- review so totally much as saying right? there's just, a just trend clear, here he, of, of he does give them a lot of agency. sexual violence and, and sort of just violence in general as a signifier of maturity. I think, you know, I think that's kind of a Alan Moore falls prey to that. in some of his comics, Frank Miller absolutely does as well. Um, and it is, it is clearly part of like, the maturation, Biff Bam Pow comics aren't for kids anymore of the medium that I think these writers kind of got away with for a long time as shorthand. And I think here it's especially ineffective because like, it's not, it's just in no way crucial to this story. You know, it's no, just in okay. no way crucial I, I, to Matt I, Murdock. I kind of disagree a little bit because I, 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 I mean, the reason he's doing this is because he wants to signal, I, I, like, I don't think this is a great reason to do this. And I think you can sell it if it is a somewhat lazy shorthand. But the, the whole purpose of it being um, a sex worker who's attacking him, right? Like, it's a bunch of women at a club who are all, like, attacking Daredevil. And he's flailing and he knocks one out of a window. But he's clearly doing that to be, like, it's not 
some big like hard thug in a in an alleyway right like that we would have zero sympathy for right like him knocking a a woman in a bikini out of a top window who's like terrified when she falls you know he's doing using that as a shorthand for innocence right that he attacks someone like vaguely innocent um or at least who would like engender our sympathy more that he like really messed up here because later he kills a bunch of guys and you don't even blink about it i don't even did you even notice that he killed a couple just like random you know uh kingpin thugs later on yeah yeah i suppose that's treated as par for like, the course like he just drowns violence drowns one and stabs another one <laughs> and leaves them for dead underwater mm-hmm. and you know just moves on and like clearly we don't have the same reaction to that as him you know knocking this woman who's like did not know what she was getting into fighting daredevil uh yeah so i mean i i, I there's a problem with that right like using women as plot yeah, devices like, to, to signal innocence, right? But, like, he's not yeah. doing it just, I don't think, of some misogynistic bent to, like, you know, play with injuring women or something. Yeah, I think, like, also the problem is that we're supposed to be sad about uh, Matt having killed someone and losing his innocence rather than the tragedy isn't the death of the woman in question, it's the loss of innocence of Matt, which yeah. is also a part of the problem, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, well said. Yeah, yeah, I, sure. I, I, I mean, you know, you, yeah. I don't yeah, necessarily I, I, come away and think, like, this is, you know, it, we need to condemn this work. That's no, definitely I, not what I'm saying, so much as this is a recurring thing in Miller's yeah. work at the time, and he is working in Sin, in Sin City especially in a mode of of hyper, hyper-violence exactly like this. Um, and I, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's super useful. I, I don't think it adds mm-hmm. a lot. Um, I get what you're saying, Zach, but I, I just, I actually don't think it's good. I think it's kind of, lazy shorthand that he was too comfortable Mm -hmm. with um that that wouldn't work nearly as well today uh so anyway so getting into john romita jr like you said i think is doing great work here we got inks by al williamson colors by christy shiel i actually really love joe rosen's lettering um i don't know exactly the breakdown between like you know romita and and rosen you know where who's who's lettering what because sometimes it's blended in but there's some really innovative lettering stuff throughout this um that was probably some of the most exciting stuff I saw, um, like just where the boxes are bending and following characters and stuff like that was cool. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, I totally agree with both of you. I, I found this disappointing initially because I was like, oh, Frank Miller, miniseries, you know, he's back on Daredevil. And it's just a recap. It's just it's yeah. just coalescing everything. Like I said, it's, it's writing the good coalescing origin movie. Um, but that's kind of boring in comic form because we've read it and uh, and we had it and it was it was good then. So I, I don't know. I, I'm curious for people who love this miniseries like you know did you just read it at a different time um are you just that hungry for miller and romita you know i i think it's a well-told origin but i don't i'm not somebody who likes to relive origin stories as well you know like marvel's done a lot like this and i think it's one of the more interesting questions is like you know they've done season one stuff in more recent years they do the color series that we're going to read in the early 2000s with jeff Loeb and tim sale there's plenty of examples of revisiting early days of characters, um, sometimes it can be really fun. Like Mark Wade writes the series Captain America: Man Out of Time, um, that just kind of digs into like you know him adjusting to you know the the decades that have passed. It can be cool, uh, but when it feels recappy, I don't. I'm not that interested, yeah. and I I don't need it. Um, I am curious, yeah. like what other yeah. characters would would benefit from this style of series. I mean, I think it has to be all the especially in 1993 like when you're looking at the landscape who's a character that needs this you know i think of like moon knight or like somebody you're trying to popularize who mm-hmm. maybe could have a much bigger audience but but didn't necessarily like or something yeah who 
Shen Chi. Yeah, yeah, that's a good pick too, right? Like somebody like or that, even I Black think. Panther at this point. Honestly, yeah, right. Like, yeah. like get relaunching Black Panther with like a good solid origin. I, I mean, I, I guess like instead of speculating what could work, what has worked, like to do a retold origin, like even even across DC, I'm thinking like it's Batman Year One. It's well, Batman Year I One guess, works so well <laughs> that you yeah. you see exactly why. They wanted to, t- to tap that same well with, oh, with Frank yeah, Miller yeah. and Daredevil, yeah, right? Totally. Batman Year One yeah, is yeah. so flipping good. But I think the difference with that or even John Byrne's Man of Steel or George Perez on Wonder Woman, they all they all kind of do mm-hmm. a similar thing. But they're all literally set in that mode of post-crisis retelling the universe. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas this Daredevil Megan. mini is just like, uh, oh, here's a on the top of everything happening. Here's an origin story again. Right, because yeah. Wonder Woman and Superman, Man of Steel, both like add to that in new ways and kind of tweak and so you're also looking out for like oh what's the new you know superman what's the new wonder woman which is also dangerous because it means that like a lot of people don't like i know john burns superman relaunch a lot of people really don't like specifically the but a lot of people love <laughs> you know a lot of people oh i think it's love. great i i really i'm a big fan of it but. well and it sets the stage for what's to come next you know is the is yeah. the most exciting thing about <laughs> retelling an origin or reimagining it and the new 52 does this too is like it sets the stage for potential and Daredevil, the Man Without Fear, actually doesn't leave us much potential because the stories that no. follow this have already been told. So there's mm-hmm. no unknown anticipation to come out of this. There's just, oh, by the way, go back and read Frank Miller's Daredevil, which, again, people should. It's great. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that was a much-needed reminder. I guess I'm just kind of, having come to it later and having come to it via this approach, I'm always a little baffled by uh, the absolute adoration this series might have. Um, just because it doesn't, it it feels like the least necessary and the least essential piece of Frank Miller's Daredevil Electric Continuum, As, especially when Love and War and Electra Assassin exist, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. when he has come mm-hmm. back to do these miniseries that are like big and innovative and completely like unique in the world of Daredevil. Why is I mean, I get why this this is a nice easy read, right? This is you know kind of it is a very meat and potatoes kind of comic. Like it is very very simple, easy stuff, but like. Um, and, and you know those those two other ones are not necessarily. Here here's here's a question related to Frank. You know, so I was talking about having read Sin City, and in Sin City, for all its flaws, you know there is a, a Dame to Kill for in particular. I was definitely captivated by. Um, oh, very Frank, good, Frank yeah. Miller writes really good neo noir. You know, like he his captioning, his sort of his poetry, his balance of of repetition. Um, that stuff can be really exhilarating, especially for if you like noir and crime stories. In the Man Without Fear. I kind of feel like he phones it in. It doesn't feel yeah. like that yeah, that totally. quality level of yeah. Frank Miller captioning or dialogue writing. There are only a handful of moments um, towards the end when he's confronted with a killer with a gun, which is a straight-up replay. You know, a, a, a henchman, a kingpin henchman, has a gun to uh, this little girl's head. It's a straight-up replay of, of The Dark Knight Returns, right? There's a sequence in there that's just like this. Um, but, but Daredevil or Matt Murdock keeps saying, please don't make me kill you. And there's actually a really cool use of layout and repetition um, to, to sort of, you know, he's kind of doing this Inigo Montoya, you know, you killed my father mm-hmm. thing. Other than that, though, like, I don't, this isn't, for me, the good Frank Miller. Like, this is just him coalescing these things into a story. There's not, like, the magic of, oh, hey, that's really poetic. Or, you know, it, and it's not, I don't know, phoning it in might be a stretch, but it just well, didn't it, grab it, me. He, he's already shown that he has, like, big thoughts about Daredevil, like, love and war, is a really interesting like skewering of Daredevil, the hero, right? Like, I I, I don't know, like he he can approach this character from some like really interesting angles, and this doesn't feel like that. It feels like the very basic, you know, like 
it is hyper violent, but it's not really grappling with the violence. Mm-hmm. Like like they have the like like he kills that woman and then it just kind of moves on from it and like it kind of talks around oh he's you know like stick won't take him back because he's already gone down a dark path and then he kind of finds his way and stick takes him back um but it, it's like it's not really exploring that in any interesting ways in the way that we've seen that frank miller can do with daredevil mm, right um i i do like i mean i just want to point out i think Electra kind of is great here <laughs> like i think he's got more of a, a pop and like this, this vision for Electra in this than he does with uh, with Matt Murdock. Like Electra's kind of like wild eyed, nihilistic. Uh, I, I don't know. Like she, every time she was on page, like it was very exciting. Yeah. In the way that she was like pursuing Matt Murdock, the scene where she kills those five guys in the alley is uh, is kind of insane and like a pretty incredible scene where she just not not a lot of people of- know this, but those were the those were the five guys founders. Right, they, they had just launched their first burger chain, and then Electra took them out. That's there is a crazy. woman in that group. Uh, they, she does make sure to, to point that out. Yeah, yeah, um, no, it's a good but, point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's actually one thing that you get so much more thoroughly in Miller's Daredevil elsewhere is good Electra and good Kingpin. Um, and actually, that's oh, yeah, absent. Especially. You know, yeah. it's it's more of a looming threat. So, okay, uh, Charlotte, any final thoughts on the Man Without Fear that you want to? Sure, uh, or should we move on? Well, two things. Um, first of all, th- I just realized why we were talking about it, but this kind of wrote out the yellow and black costume, right? Because that's not at all a part of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which yeah, yeah. kind of made me think, was the point of this to be like, okay, we've got 20 years of subpar Daredevil comics, or we could <laughs> just act as if those never happened and this is the origin and you read that and after afterwards you just that, pick that up yellow Miller on Daredevil? Is- the yellow costume does show up on a cover, so like he's winking okay. at it at least. Yeah, you know, I think the last cover shows the uh, that yellow and red. I think spiritually yeah. though, you're kind of onto something, which is like, but yeah. it's kind of saying like, okay, Daredevil was created, issue number one happened, but then jump straight to the Frank Miller. Yeah, right. It's like then and, everything mm-hmm. with the Purple yeah. Man and Stilt Man and all those goof and Mike Murdoch and the Goofy Silver Age stuff. We don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Um. So and, it, it's very much skipping that section of his life yeah essentially. Mm-hmm. And which made me kind of wonder what was there already in the night i mean already it was like 30 years after the beginning of the marvel universe but was the, was there already a need for like these kind of stories of doing well we can't ask readers to just read 20 years of comics so we're just going yeah. to make a mini series like that and because i think that's one of the first instances we've seen of that i think it happens way more in the 2020s but uh i can't think of another example that we've read uh, yet yeah, like that's that. a good question. I mean, it's it's definitely an era where that is useful. I mean, I think yeah. I think like an example where you start to see Marvel realizing like, oh wow, we have decades of continuity now, and it's hard for readers to keep up. Would be like mm. classic X Men launching in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, true. Where that like you know the irony there is like they're talking about comics that came out less than a decade ago, but they're like, yeah. this is the classic era. Go back and read it. Um, plus two, like I mean, now by nineteen ninety three, it's more common, but we're only now entering the phase in comics landscape were like collections <laughs> and like re- like how are you going to get these comics if you weren't back yeah. issue hunting you know so mm-hmm. i i think there is more of a need potentially for them to explain who these characters are um to to retell origins but yeah we don't we haven't seen a heck of a lot of origins retold quite to this degree um i don't think and i i think with daredevil it's kind of them I, it's actually weird timing too because it's like this doesn't announce like Frank Miller's return on the on an ongoing. So it's like if you read this, what's your next step? 
to jump to into jump the into the middle of that run by the Chichester guy. Yeah, like DG <laughs> Chichester's, like yeah. you know, you were on issue three thirty or whatever in nineteen ninety three. Like that's not a connective. <laughs> yeah. That's not connective at all. Um, so it, yeah, yeah, that 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 piece of it's a little weird. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe yeah. Marvel had just realized like, hey, we can roll out Born Again trades, and uh, and we'll put this out there in the world and get people inspired to do that because yeah. you know, post post Watchmen like in Dark Knight Returns, people are like, oh hey, by, by the way, people will buy these as graphic novels. Um, so anyway. I, I think that's a good question, but yeah, we're we're definitely going to see more of it. I don't know that we're going to like like I said, like until we get to two thousands, I don't know that we're going to read a heck of a lot of it because it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell to do well. I think. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, the the next graphic novel we read, which is Daredevil, Black Widow, Abattoir. This is written by Jim Starlin. You got Joe Chiodo on pencils, inks, colors, uh, Janice Chang on letters. So before we start at all, Charlotte, can you just say that word? <laughs> Abattoir. They, Dave had okay. it pretty well. Thank you. No, no, I know. I wasn't making fun of Dave. I just wanted to. Yeah. Hear, I just wanted to hear you say. It. Okay. <laughs> Dave, please, Abattoir. please proceed. Yeah, yeah, totally fair. Um, all right. So this graphic novel is, like I said, written by Jim Starlin, uh, who kicked off the Marvel original graphic novel lines with the death of Captain Marvel oh, way true. back in in 1980. Um, <sighs> I included this one because obviously we read some Daredevil. We, I really like Jim Starlin as a writer. I am, I am definitely torn on Starlin. So I love his cosmic vision for Marvel. Right when Jim Starlin writes street level stuff, though, mm-hmm. I'm often <laughs> more torn. You know, so like this this graphic novel. I mean, we don't talk about a heck of a lot, but like Jim Starlin was on Batman for a while, <laughs> and yeah. he wrote, yeah. you know, he had the origin yeah, of the yeah. KG Beast and Death in the Family, the where, where DC thing, right? people, yeah. you know, called into, uh, DC fans called in to kill Jason Todd, right? So like, and those Batman comics aren't any of my favorites, but they're sometimes fine, sometimes not. Uh, him writing a Daredevil Black Widow graphic novel, it's it's really interesting, actually, in contrast to Frank Miller and the Frank Miller school of noir, because this is Starlin's street-level noir. I think, I think it's about... Forty percent of a pretty decent graphic novel, and then it just goes, <laughs> then it just jumps the shark. Um, how, what did both of you think reading Abattoir? Um, I'm, I'm, I totally agree with what you're saying about him. It's like if he's working in cosmic, I, I love it. To you know, often like it. Sometimes it doesn't work out that well, but like that's where I, I really appreciate his work. And when he's doing the kind of street level hero stuff, like it's pretty dull to me and pretty like. This does not stand out as like, oh, this must be a Jim Starlin comic. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Um, even on DC side, right? Because he does all those Batman comics for a while, which I think are okay to sometimes mediocre. He does that. But then he also does that um, that miniseries I keep talking about with Mike Mignola, Cosmic Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is kind of his version of this big uh, cosmic story using the um, Jack Kirby's Fourth World stuff. It's, it's great. It's so good. Like, yeah, that that stuff works great over at DC. So, yeah, it, it is strange um, how consistently that, that split plays out. But, yeah, kind kind of a nothing, right? Like, ki- kind of, like, playing, like, in the Frank Miller, you know, Frank Miller's best era. Like, do, kind of trying to do, like, a love and war. Like, a really dark, gritty mm, yeah. thing with, like, you know, a, a sympathetic villain, but it's ultra-violent. But, you know, there's some empathy there for the villain. Uh, and it kind of just adds up to a bunch of nothing because it's not i, I don't know like the, the texture of it is pretty it, it's pretty uh plain right like it, it is it feels like yeah. a very very simplistic version of like uh, a girl abused and now she abuses other people and then and black widow feels that right and there's just like there's not much i don't know 
there, there's a lot of that to it. There's not much texture to it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's and a lot of that, that in this era of hurt people, hurt people, and you know, post Watchmen, yeah. post Killing Joke of hey, empathy for the villain. Uh, Charlotte, what was your reaction to Abattoir? This was an interesting read. Um, six like seventy five percent of it was like, wh- where is this going? What's what's going on? This this is kind of nothing and then 25% of it was very wild stuff that uh, mm-hmm. I don't know quite how to react to like there's um, I don't know there's a weird uh, depiction of uh, violence and queerness uh, especially by the end that uh, left kind of a sour taste in my mouth um, queerness I, don't, I didn't get I mean I, mean, I got all the like the, the sexual assault but I mean the, it's I mean, I don't love that the first kiss between two women in a in a Marvel comic is between a, a murderer. Oh, and, uh, oh, and yeah, yeah, and totally. I didn't even register. Yeah. By the end, like, there's a whole discussion of um, Nat saying that after um, after everything that happened and the psychological influence of the the woman in question, she feels like a, a stain on herself, something like that. And yeah, yeah. That so comes t- after totally having been kissed awful. by a. We can assume. Uh, I mean, we don't know what what the 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 woman's sexuality is, but she the last thing she does is kiss Nat, and afterwards Nat feels like a stain on her. Oh, I I read that totally differently. Uh, I I read that it, it equally as gross, yeah. if not grosser <laughs> than that. I read. Yeah, I actually kind of think you're off base here. I read her that she got into this woman's head and was like, you know, seeing all the. Um, the trauma that this woman went through yeah. as a girl, which is that she was, like, sexually abused by her father, and her mother, like, ignored it, and her father was just, like, physically abusive to her her and her mother, and ended up killing her mother, and then she got these psychic powers and eventually killed her father, and now she, you know, like, unleashes that pain, hurt people, hurt people, like Dave said. Um, I, I took that as just Scar- or, uh, Black Widow being, like, you know, feeling stained because she lived inside the head, yeah. like, she, she feels the quote-unquote stain of being sexually abused right like they yeah. feel dirty for that which which is you know i think even more disgusting <laughs> that yeah, idea yeah. you know that like somehow you are sullied by uh sexual assault because that's an incredibly common feeling and the last thing you need to do is just like you know continue to prop that up even especially as that last one-liner it, it, it's it's not like i'm saying you can't talk about that's the way that people genuinely feel yeah about it right like uh, that's a very legitimate feeling for people to feel and you know it's common enough but then like for it to be used as that last one-liner is not you know it's not in discussion with that it's using that as you know uh black widow she's been you know like she's got scars from this experience right which yeah i totally yeah. totally gross no, no, i, 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 think I they're agree both interesting and in, oh go yeah. ahead charlotte no, I agree that I think that's uh, what Zach's saying. That I think that's what uh, Stalin is getting at. Uh, I just like what's the the association uh, by the end between the kiss and what uh, Nat's reaction is. Like, I don't think that was necessarily intended, but it did leave quite a sour taste in my mind, in my mouth, especially yeah. especially in the context of uh, it between it's being the. I mean, I think the first queer kiss at all in Marvel comic. I don't think uh, there's been anything else at this point for sure. Uh, honestly, I like I bet it being it, like it being queer feels so like a, aside the point because it feels more like um I, I don't know like like it's, it, it's not aside the fet- point though. Like I think Charlotte's like, I think Charlotte's reading I mean, is is totally valid and yeah, it is, yeah. you know, the point here of is this actually the first, you know, female female kiss in Marvel? Like that's that's a Pro- valid probably, question. I don't yeah. know if that's true or not, frankly. Um I I do agree with you zach in the sense of i think 
the authorial intent, which we're only guessing at, um, mm. it the way it read to me was just like, oh, it's a crazy thing a villain would do. She'll just yeah, kiss her exactly. now in the middle of this violence, right. as opposed yeah. to like any knowing or intentional commentary on queerness. But I think to pick that up and to read that into the story because it's there uh, is is really interesting and, well, and valid. Yeah, because it plays um, into a, a long I history think it's doing of... it accidentally. <clears throat> Yeah, I agree. It plays yeah. into a long history of queer queerness being used as a threat yeah. on the like the straight characters, right? So like yeah, you're totally right, right? Like the the idea of, you know, like the uh the queer villain, the gay-coded uh super villain like somewhat sexually threatening James Bond, right? The the like very straight masculine person, right? Like Yeah. yeah. Whatever. I, yeah, I, I think I think you're I definitely I definitely even think if it's not this, intentionally. It's Yeah. It's just dipping into that well. And I think this brought up problems with Marvel Comics in general more than... Like, I don't think those problems are specifically that much in the comic, but just the, the, small, the small examples of, uh, of there being in it just brought up, like, everything else. Uh, the fact that there's a complete absence, mostly, of a queer character at that time. That that's the only mm. way in which we see few examples of queerness i think at that point there were there had also been in the 80s i think uh, in the hulk graphic novel if i remember correctly uh, a guy that tried to assault uh, bruce banner at some point and i think that was the first example of gay people in a marvel comic which yeah. yikes yeah. right no there's there's not right there's no representation to balance out no. any of these actions i mean i think the a big net of this that i'm getting is it's not jim Starlin's place to be tackling these sorts of issues, frankly, um, in this graphic novel, I don't think he's equipped. I don't think the story is equipped to handle it. And it is very messy, very yeah. messy as a result, I think, whichever interpretation you take. Um, I think I I left this confused as to what Abattoir was trying to even do. And frankly, I was not invested enough in the quality of the work to really explore that feeling much further because <laughs> it's not especially interesting or good i think both your reads on the ending are interesting as far as like kind of the missteps this takes um i do want to say like you know in terms of what i said i liked about it up front um i do like black widow and daredevil working for shield to hunt a telepathic killer like that is that is some fine yeah interesting uh street level noir that works for these characters um i i kind of like this thing that happens in graphic novels, we see this in like Electra Assassin, for example, where it's just like there are boatloads of telepaths in the Marvel Universe, you know? Like it's not just yeah. Jean Grey and Professor X. It's like there's all these like low-level telepath kind of things just hanging out there working with S.H.I.E.L.D. or not. Um, I always find that element kind of interesting. It made it a, a semi-interesting, you know, murder mystery kind of vibe um, until Black Widow gets captured by the apparent killer. Uh, Daredevil goes on a rescue mission where he drives in the snow for hours. Uh, Daredevil driving through the snow Which for hours. Funny, yeah, yeah. Needs to be explained more. I need more. <laughs> I need in, more specificity. Uh, man without fear as well. He gets behind the wheel of a car. Uh, I always like when he does that. I don't. I yeah, don't. Like, I don't have any problem with can... Daredevil driving. I think you know he's got powers <laughs> and he's got weird Marvel magic that he can do this. But specifically with the with the way his senses would be just thrown off by the absence of anything else in the world when he's driving up a mountain in the snow <laughs> like how is that happening you know yeah. uh, that that seems really messy um but yeah then the comic just it gets locked it it literally locks itself in a cabin for the last yeah. what feels like the last half of the issue and 
like you said, it's trying to explore emotional, sexual trauma of a villain in some way, and it's trying to then have Black Widow Wallet literally the s- experience these, these yeah. events and, and sort of generate, I don't know, some sort of empathy or shared trauma. Um, I just think it's incredibly messy. Well, and... at the same time, Black Widow is in the most, like, I'm just nude, but, you know, with black yeah, skin. Yeah, I mean, there was like, body paint, right? You know, that's not a, that's not a suit. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, I mean, literally, it's just like, that is a nude body. I do like the nipple spider, I have to say. I like the nipple spider. <laughs> I think it's a nice touch on the latex. Um, I will be adding one to mine. Is, is uh, that I, just stripper name, Dave? <laughs> the nipple spider. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't Google that. I did not want those pictures to be public. Yikes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, nipple spider is. I, I will admit that's me. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So I, I think we're all pretty much aligned. Daredevil, Black Widow, yeah. Abattoir. I, um, I have to it's say passable. the, the it's art passable. here is. We didn't mention the artist. It's a uh, Joe Chiodo, which I did mention. Joe Chiodo. Yep. Oh, did you? Okay. Um, besides that aspect of it, like, kind of a Sienkiewicz-ish yeah. vibe to this, which I think could really work in a comic that I was, like, vibing with more. Because there's, like, there's a lot of single splash pages here that I think are, like, pretty excellent. Yeah, I actually uh, looked yeah, up uh, like, I looked up Chiodo's work, and he doesn't do a heck of a lot of other stuff, um, for Marvel at least. He's got some Marvel swimsuit special stuff, look like maybe a little Conan. But, uh, but I, yeah, I did actually agree where initially I was turned off by it. You know, it feels very digitized and kind of digital painted in a way that mm-hmm. obviously the comics industry is, is only beginning to sort of develop into. Um, but as it progressed, I, I didn't dislike the art a heck of a lot. Uh, I just increasingly disliked the story, um, yeah. which no, is I a bummer, a, again. The... The art was interesting. It was like maybe a bit of a cleaner Sinkovich, it felt like. Uh, it kind mm-hmm. of reminded me of uh, uh, Rod Rice in modern comics mm. a bit. Stuff like that. So that was interesting. Uh, also, like, just going back to the story real quick, was there any reason for Daredevil to be in this comic other than Daredevil sells better than Black Widow? Because <laughs> I, I, like, I feel sure. like this for was sure. supposed to be a Black Widow yeah. comic. So I actually, before the Black Widow movie came out earlier this year, uh, yeah. a bit before, I had a CBH writer, guest of MMY, Sarah Century, um, took on uh, all the Black Widow graphic novels from this era. Because there's a bunch. There's like three or four that come out around this time. Um, and that was definitely, I think, one of her takeaways uh, was like, you know, frequently they they have to or they fe- Marvel feels the need to shove a male character into the graphic novel with yeah. Black Widow because they don't have the confidence to just put out a Black Widow graphic novel. Um, I mean, Daredevil at least makes sense. They have a partnership. They have a history together. Mm. Um, there is, I think, definitely an element here of Daredevil is the one driving to save her. Um, he is the one who gets the kick in that prevents her maybe from you know cutting herself yeah. at the end of this. Uh, so there's a little damsel in distress Maybe not even a little. I mean, visually, it's a lot, <laughs> um, you know, because it's Black Widow strung up. It, we don't ever really get the sense would Natasha have gotten herself out of this because, as we know of the character, she's more than capable. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think it's totally just a Marvel's fear and uh, and desire for sales, which obviously yeah. makes sense, um, the sales part of it at least. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's weird because they're like, hey, we need to do a bunch of Black Widow graphic novels, but also we need to shove Daredevil and Nick Fury and Wolverine <laughs> into the titles. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So I think that's going to do it for... So, I mean, I think, you know, the the net of this is kind of a bummer, which is like, Daredevil Week. Oh, oh, Daredevil Week. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'll admit, I'm not... my my arc here. Yeah, I'm not super (laughs) on top of, um, you know, the D.G. Chester run that is happening uh, concurrent to this. It's not a run I put a lot of time into. So I don't 
really know enough well enough to say if ongoing Daredevil comics are something that would be worth exploring more in 1993 because those don't get talked about in uh, in well-regarded tones. I have not really made the effort myself. So Al Kennedy, who was on earlier, he he said that like he quite likes them. Yeah, and I, I've dipped my toes in them a couple times to like consider trying to like you know add some in. And like not none of it has grabbed me. I, I've tried a little yeah. bit. You know, not, nothing, nothing terrible, but nothing that has like grabbed me by the collar. Sure, sure. So, not the darkest time for Daredevil. Um, we will be talking about French Shield agent Daredevil as we progress here. <laughs> there are <laughs> there are darker timelines, okay, um, cool. but but not not a high point. I think yeah. for the Man Without Fear. Sadly, is, is the Man Without Fear the last thing Frank Miller does for Marvel? To my knowledge, yes. Yeah. Um, I don't. That's that's don't very disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because you know eventually, like he'll he's going to do Sin City throughout the nineties. Yeah. Um, that's going to be probably the biggest thing that he's doing there. He's going to come back to DC for Dark Knight Strikes again in the early two thousands, and then you kind of get the the All Star Batman and Robin, and you get into Holy Terror and the breaking of Frank Miller, and uh, and then we yeah. kind of are where we are now, which is back to the the Dark Knight Empire. But I don't he, know I'm, that I'm he's ever right done now, another Daredevil does. thing. He does. He guest stars on Sensational She-Hulk number fifty in nineteen ninety-three, and I okay. think that's it. I think that's the end yeah, of it. Yeah, and he, he starred what? in Rorschach. Actually, if you read Tom King's oh, Rorschach, yeah. he is literally a character in, in the comic. Oh, in the yeah, comic people, were, forgot people were very mad about that. <laughs> I didn't quite get it. People were mad about the Frank Miller part. Yeah, oh, yeah the Frank yeah, Miller well, part. Was... It makes the most sense. I was more upset with the uh, direct analog of Steve Ditko and actually the use of Otto Binder. Um, but we don't need to. We don't need to yeah. fall down that rabbit hole. The Frank Miller parts I actually thought were the least confounding, even though it's very, very strange seeing a comics creator so yeah. literally a character um, in a Rorschach book. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. interesting. Which is, have either of you read the Rorschach book? Well, no, I haven't. I, I read the first issue, and I, I have them all now in uh, in single issues. And binge, no, I, binge I, all twelve together. To. Reading yeah, all twelve together to is yeah. is actually really interesting. I'm still like. I'm not like, oh, this is going on my best of 2021 list. Like, it's not there. But I'm like, this is definitely one of the... It's one of the ones that made me want to talk about it the most, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that yeah. way. Um, and Jorge Fornius is just amazing. Like, the art on it is, is phenomenal. So, okay. So, quick review of Rorschach. <laughs> to cap this one off. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and we'll move on. The, our, our last episode of 1993 is mm-hmm. next week. And we've got Secret Defenders, which I have very little context for. Yeah, I'm excited for that doctors. one. More Doctor Strange. We've got a couple of Fantastic Four issues. This isn't Simonson anymore, right? Simonson. No, off. no, we're no, in the no. uh, we're in the boob window era of Fantastic Four. <laughs> ah, so yes, that should be exciting. Is is that the artist or the writer? <laughs> uh, boob window is the uh, the art the writer. Just assume that's artist. Pronouncing the a, name's a window. French name. That is the synopsis for the episode. Jacques Boob. Window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, Horrible. this is when Sue Storm's costume has the four cut yeah, in the I, middle of the cleavage. Yeah. Perhaps you've seen yeah, a picture. Isn't Tom Tom DeFalco? Isn't Boob Window uh, the last name of North Star? Jean Paul Boob Window. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only Don't way I'd be able to that. pronounce She's it. She's just yeah. telling the same joke I already told Dave. How dare you? What you you oh, didn't man. tell that joke? I basically did. No, Charlotte crushed it. Mine is Great funny, joke, yeah. Charlotte. I'm going to edit. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> trying to claim her joke? How dare you? I'm going to edit her out and cut your laugh into my joke. <laughs> This is this is so Zach to be like, oh, my joke <laughs> yes. didn't get enough response, so I'm gonna steal <laughs> no, someone I, else's. I tell hundreds of as good or um, you tell hundreds of jokes. That jokes, is true. That, that and is no one laughs. Mm-hmm. And she tells one mediocre joke, and you ice me. Ice you. I, I'm gonna ice you next time I see you, and you're gonna be drinking Smirnoff. 
right down on a knee. I'm going to ice the heck out of you. I'm bringing that back. Um, all right. Oh my God. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Fantastic Four. We're also going to talk about, uh, we're going to go back to the 2099 universe, X-Men oh, 2099. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about this. I'm yeah, glad you added this. In. It should be fun, actually. It should be a fun uh, a fun episode to round out. I, had, okay. I had a good time with the Spider-Man 2099. So, uh, and Al Kennedy said the X-Men one is pretty interesting. Yeah, no, they're compelling. They're compelling. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to, to dive into those and have that conversation. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, again, uh, I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Comic Book Herald. Um, you can support the show over at patreon.com slash my marvelous year uh, you can find zach on twitter at my marvelous year or on instagram as well charlotte where should people find you uh you can find me on twitter at fear charlotte and you can find me on the slack cool cool um thanks for listening everybody this has been 1993 part five we're gonna round out 1993 with our next episode part six and then uh make sure to to join along and subscribe to the podcast here and and follow along on the patreon so you can be a part of us moving into 1994 clone saga age of apocalypse in 1995 oh yeah big ones coming Big ones coming. So thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you next year. See you, see you next, next year. year.